Cold front to the west, and although we're starting clear this morning, we're not going to end that way. As we go on through the day, we'll see clouds go on the increase from west to east. And after 2 o'clock, some showers, thunderstorms start to roll on in. Breezy at times and a high up near 80. Showers and thunderstorms around early tonight. Then we'll clear later and much cooler, down to about 57 degrees. Suburbs even cooler. Sunshine, little breezy tomorrow. Maybe hit a fall in the mid-70s, down into the mid-50s tomorrow night. Sunshine over the weekend, but getting hotter. 80 Saturday, near 90 by Sunday. For the Weather Channel, meteorologist Ray Stigic on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. First thing in the morning, it's first thing on WJR. Here is Mike Parsons. Well, some unexpected... I don't know if you'd say good news, but cautiously optimistic news overnight. Got word that U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke with Novi man Paul Whelan. He's been detained in in a Russian prison since 2018 on accusations of spying. We've been uh, following this story very closely um, since then. Uh, Blinken told Whelan that the U.S. was doing everything they could possibly do to bring him home as soon as possible. This is the second time the two men spoke since December 30th of last year. Now, Paul Whalen described the phone call as a long, frank conversation to his family. And uh, here's David Whalen, who has been uh, his brother Paul's biggest advocate since he was imprisoned overseas. I believe he was talking to CNN here. Secretary Blinken has obviously sent a message, and uh, that message uh, is for Paul and for our family, that uh, the U.S. government is continuing to advocate for Paul and his release. It could be 2034 before Paul's home. I don't think that there's any reason to think that what the U.S. government is doing right now is going to lead to Paul's immediate release or even uh, release as soon as possible. So uh, reading between the lines there, it sounds like David Whalen and the rest of the Whalen family are appreciative of the effort that the United States still is putting into bringing uh, David Whalen, uh, I'm sorry, Paul Whalen home. Um, but he's been passed over many times, and I'm sure that uh, they're trying not to get their hopes up. But it, it's so important every time Paul Whalen is in the news for us to cover it because the worst thing I think that can happen is that Paul Whalen is forgotten, um, especially when there's not a another high-profile prisoner being detained in Russia, uh, Brittany Griner. Uh, right now it's Evan Gershkovitz. It seems like he gets passed up time after time again. So if I'm the Whalen family, I'm I'm feeling the exact same way that David has ha- has described. Grateful, but but pessimistic. By the way, as my uh, favorite former WDIV meteorologist used to say, this afternoon on your drive home, eyes to the skies. Um, most of the day, the, the morning's going to be dry today, but uh, bad weather, possibly severe storms, and um, heavy rain is supposed to be moving through our area just in time for afternoon rush. Look at that timing. Detroit police are asking for the public's help in finding three suspects who shot a Detroit police officer in the leg in the early morning hours last Friday. If you remember, three police officers, they were responding to a shot spotter call at a grow operation in an abandoned apartment on Detroit's east side. When three suspects, they exited the apartment and opened fire on the officers, hitting one in the calf, 
The other police officers returned fire, but the suspects got away. Now Detroit police have released photos and video of the men. You can see them posted on our Twitter slash X page at WJR Radio. They ask that uh, you call them or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-SPEAK-UP if you have any information. Uh, there's a $1,000 reward for tips that may lead to any arrest or capture. And the good news is the injured police officer is recovering. A March trial date has been proposed in the Georgia election interference case against Donald Trump. Fox's Kristen Goodwin has more. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis proposes a March 4th start date for the trial of former President Donald Trump and 18 others on charges related to alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia. In a filed pretrial scheduling order, Willis also suggests an arraignment to take place for various defendants the week of September 5th. Stating in light of the defendant, Donald John Trump's other criminal and civil matters pending in the courts of our sister sovereigns, the state of Georgia proposes certain deadlines that do not conflict with these other courts' already scheduled hearings and trial dates. The former president has denied any wrongdoing and alleges the probe is politically motivated. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. It's becoming a morbid duty every morning to update you on the uh, death toll out in the uh, Maui wildfires that has reached 111 people deceased Uh, still hundreds last check it was close to a thousand people still missing Uh, the main road to Lahaina or Lahaina I'm so bad with with Hawaiian names Lahaina I believe it's it's pronounced that's back open and residents are slowly returning to survey the damage now I found out just before the show that uh, Maui County Emergency Manager, he was at a conference in Oahu Tuesday, the day the wildfires began. Uh, uh, Tuesday, not this Tuesday, the Tuesday before it. And um, no word on how fast he got back to Maui to start um, dealing with the situation. Now, Hawaiian Electric the big electric company out on the islands, they're being slapped with three different lawsuits that claim that uh, if they would have shut off power, it could have saved lives and property. Now, right now, the popular working theory is that a power line was knocked down uh, in, in that heavy windstorm and it ignited some dry brush, and that's how the wildfire started. Sheila Kamua, she's the president and CEO of Hawaiian Electric. She was pressed by Tom Yamas of NBC News at a presser the other day about why they didn't cut power. And she said it would have been a hardship to the rest of their customers, some who rely on electricity for life-saving medical devices, and that water pumps and fire hydrants run on electricity. And a lot of those same water pumps and uh, fire hydrants didn't work anyway. And and that that, that contributed to the spread of the, the wildfire. A lot of questions about why the emergency sirens didn't sound as well. One official, and I wish I caught her name. She was on CNN yesterday. I had it on in the background while I was doing other things. She said that the emergency sirens on the Hawaiian Islands, they are normally sounded for tsunamis. And when the tsunami warning sounds, people are, 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 are conditioned to run inland to get away from the water. And she said that's the exact opposite of what they would have wanted residents doing in this situation. If you remember the horror stories of people uh, running away from the fire that was spreading so quickly that they were jumping into the ocean. President Biden, he will visit Maui uh, this coming Monday. He says he doesn't want to interfere with rescue and recovery efforts, but he pledges all available resources. 
There's also a wildfire that uh, was burning in the Upper Peninsula this week. Emergency crews say that they have that under control. Tuesday evening, a 35-acre wildfire was reported in Whitefish Township. That's not too far from Tequamanon Falls. The fire started in a very difficult-to-reach place near a marsh within a pine forest, and firefighters had to use several bulldozers, all-terrain vehicles, and large water units uh, to get to it. Luckily, no structures were damaged or threatened in the blaze, and neither were people. Federal appeals court would keep restrictions on an abortion drug in place, but those restrictions won't take effect, at least right away, because the Supreme Court previously intervened to keep the drug available during the legal fight. Here's more from Fox's Grinnell Scott. The Fifth Circuit U.S. Appeals Court's decision deals with the abortion drug Mifepristone. The three-judge panel, while overturning a Texas judge's decision revoking FDA approval of the drug, also said it can't be delivered by mail and that a doctor must be there to administer it. The final decision will be made by the U.S. Supreme Court. Mifepristone is one of the more common abortion-inducing medications. Misoprostol is the other drug that providers have said they could switch to if mifepristone is at some point outlawed. Gernal Scott, Fox News. It's first thing with Mike Parsons on WJR. All right. Well, I, I guess it was a uh, pleasant surprise last night. Oh, by the way, Nick Roddy's here. Lloyd Jackson's here. Guy Gordon's here. Um, I, I was. Thank I, you for taking attendance. Yes. I'm so, <laughs> <laughs> present. Present. <laughs> um, so I guess U.S. Secretary of State and Anthony, uh, Anthony Blinken and, and, and Paul Whelan, the, the Novi man who's been detained in Russia since 2018, they had a phone call yesterday where Blinken reassured Whalen that the U.S. was doing everything they could to bring him home as soon as possible, um, which is good because I, I think we've got to keep Paul Whalen's case top of mind so he's not forgotten about. <clears throat> and it sounds like his brother David Whalen, who has been his, his, his number one advocate this whole time, no one's worked harder to get him back home than his brother David, um, he sounds appreciative, but he also sounds skeptical. And and I don't blame him because if you look at all the people who have been released before him and all the – it seems like right now the uh, emphasis is on getting Wall Street Journal Evan Gershkovitz back home. Oh, and, can, and Fox is waging a media campaign on his behalf and, and keeping his name front and center in the public, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And he's their guy. They should. Right. But you don't want that to overshadow the guy that certainly has appeared to be the next in line. Well, and, and you're right. Um, you know, and, and I feel like the Whalen family is always very classy when somebody is released uh, ahead of Paul Whalen. Yeah. Right. They say all the right things. Anytime uh, an American is freed from Russian custody, it's a good day. They're always happy for that family. But then there's also there there's also that feeling of. Okay, well, what about Paul? Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a pro athlete. He's not a former member of the military who I, I agree they should get first priority. He's not a, a high-profile journalist, so it kind of feels like he gets forgotten in the shuffle. So the, the one element of this story that isn't getting a lot of attention, which I find fascinating, is why are the Russians letting the Secretary of the State talk to one of their detainees? I mean, does, what can we read into that? Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Whelan can make calls out, but getting calls in is a totally different thing when you're in the gulag. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I'm, I'm wondering how that was arranged and what it says about where we are in this effort. Right. And I mean, especially because Russia, Russian and American relations are, uh, I wouldn't say at an all time low. There's that little thing called the Cold War, but they're not yeah. good. They're not good right now. Well, you know, it's a method to their madness, uh, whatever that may be. And who knows if uh, Blinken is not discussing some type of prisoner swap or some something that we don't know about right. as of yet. But there, there, there's a method to the man. Have we run out of uh, Russian terrorists to send home? I don't think I, so. I think, I, I think we got a pretty good stock. I think we got a nice stock. check the pantry, please? <laughs> I think we got a nice stock of folks. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe someone, maybe someone from the Soviet era who, uh, you know, has been waiting around. But And, and then, of course, um, you know, there, there's always the question of proportionality. I know that um, when Brittany Griner was free, when Trevor Reed were, was free, we had to give up some 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 really bad people. Some bad people. And that uh, caused a lot of outrage. And uh, so we'll see. Um, Paul, David Whalen said that uh, he doesn't have any reason to think that the U.S. government is, that anything you're doing right now will lead to Paul's immediate release. And I believe his sentence ends in 2034. But again, I think it's so important to keep uh uh, Paul Whalen's name in the news uh, because if if he isn't kept top of mind every few months, he's going to be forgotten about. And you know the Russians, long. the Russians like to add more time. They'll find something right. else, and you know. So if his time is up in thirty four, they'll do something else, and and he'll be out in fifty four or something. You know, they'll they'll say he did yeah. something else. Yeah, like know? he didn't tuck he he didn't tuck in. Uh, you know, his bed sheets if they get Whatever. bed sheets or something. Yeah, yeah. but. They'll look for something. Uh, so uh, prosecutors in Georgia, they're, 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 we, we knew that the six-month time frame that they were shooting for um, uh, to, yeah. to bring Donald Trump trial for, for allegedly trying to overturn the election in Georgia, we knew that was pretty ambitious. But they threw out a trial date of March 4th, uh, which is the day before Super Tuesday. And uh, to me... I, I I think the the biggest hurdle here is that's the same month as 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 Trump's trial in New York over the Stormy Daniels hush money. There's no way that this thing can just logistically um, happen March fourth, right? And you're trying 19 people all because she says she's going to try them all at once. You got to, I mean, just logistical getting all those people and lawyers right. in the courtroom. We, we we need an air traffic controller just to yeah. keep these legal planes to, from yes. crashing into one another, right? Yeah. This is – but, you know, really? March 4th? If, if you've got critics out there saying, look, this is politically motivated and you're only trying to create distortions and impediments to Trump campaigning – you just fed that narrative. Oh man! That day. What, what was they saying yesterday? You don't give them, don't give them something. With Daniel Howes. Howes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, a don't, hammer. Don't give them the club to beat Richard. you. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. And that's exactly what they did. Well, and, and I'm I'm guessing that a a trial in six months would would greatly uh, favor the prosecution, right? Because they've got their they've got their whole case locked down. And it would be the defense that would be scrambling to, to to try to get their stuff together in six months. And have you heard? Arizona is now talking. Governor Katie Hobbs says, "Well, you know what? We should prosecute him too." Oh, Which boy. is, you know, that's just more political spaghetti getting it thrown is. against the wall. Because if you haven't undertaken a formal investigation by now to weed through all that stuff in Arizona, and I understand there was a lot of nonsense there too. Yeah. And you know, they brought. Well, now in it the seems like you're getting ninjas. on the bandwagon. 
Yeah, you know, ex- piling ex- on exactly, and yeah. it just sounds like Katie Hobbs trying to get in the news. But there you go. Yeah, and 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 look, I still am not sure what the differences are between um, this indictment and Jack Smith's indictment about trying to overturn the election on the federal level. Well, there's RICO, there's federal, there's state, and there's a mandatory minimum in Georgia. Thank you for clearing that up, Jr. Morning coming up. With both presumed nominees under legal fire, Donald Trump with his four indictments, Joe Biden with the accusations that he had his influence sold to Hunter Biden's business partners back when he was uh, vice president, doesn't seem to be a better time than now for a third-party candidate, not to mention the polling that shows that the majority of Americans don't really want to see a Biden versus Trump rematch. The No Labels movement, a group committed to running and backing a viable third-party candidate, has achieved ballot access in 10 states. Former Congressman Fred Upton is involved with the group, and he joins Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson on JR Morning. We know that there are multiple polls out there asking Americans about the two frontrunners for the 2024 presidential election, Donald Trump for Republicans, President Joe Biden for Democrats. And when we ask them to choose, they would check, a majority would check, none of the above. Uh, as a result, there is a third party option. They call themselves no labels and they just passed an important milestone. Former Michigan Congressman Fred Upton is uh, one of those that is active in the no labels movement and he joins us live this morning. Fred, good morning. Hey, good morning to you. I'm over on the west side of the state. You're going to have a beautiful day today. I'll tell you. It's just gorgeous over here. Good, because after we need an improvement after the day we had uh, <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Right. Yeah, that storm was something else coming through, I'll tell you that. It it was, and just kind of one of those dank, damp days. So as you uh, as you look at this, we know that there is a challenge to get no labels onto presidential ballots. Uh, you guys uh, passed a, somewhat of a milestone on, on Monday, did you not? Well, we did. Uh, we're, we're 10 states. Uh, we're in play in about uh, two dozen others right now in terms of trying to get the signatures to get on the ballot. And this shouldn't be all that hard to do. You know, Ross Perot did it uh, 30 years ago. He got on in 1992. He got on all 50 states. He got 20 percent of the vote. Uh, we think we can get on all 50 states. Some states you can't even start until January of next year. But our goal is to be pretty close to that by the end of first the first quarter of next year. We've got a national convention uh, to ratify. If in fact it's Trump and Biden, uh, we'll have we'll have another team. We'll have a Republican and a Democrat. Not sure exactly what order it'll be, but we'll have a convention in Dallas to to ratify that. Uh, be on all fifty states. Pass it over to that. Uh, we won't run the campaign for sure. It'll be those those candidates that will do it. But we'll we'll give them a, an opening uh, to the front door. But as you said, seventy. We just did some polling. Seventy percent of the American public does not not want a rematch between Biden and Trump. And it's about equally divided between Republicans and Democrats uh, for a whole variety of reasons, as, as we can imagine. And uh, if if we get, you know, we, we got on some big states last week, you know, Florida, North Carolina, uh, we think that there's actually a pathway to get 270 electoral votes if this all works. Now, I, um, I understand, though, that, you know, no ticket has been uh, name yet for uh, the no labels, but I know that uh, some leaders have said that you guys would stand down if there is no clear path to victory uh, next year. But, you know, the Democrats are saying, I don't know if that's going to happen because just with that poll, nobody wants to see those two run again. So, you, you know, is it a possibility that there will be a ticket in the no labels party? 
Well, if it stays the way that it is, I mean, again, if, if somehow it's not Trump or somehow it's not Biden, uh, or if we think that uh, we can't win, yeah, we, we have until we have a year from now to decide whether we go forward or not uh, with it with a ticket. And, uh, you know, we came out with a, a whole list of uh, what we think are bipartisan principles that, that we stand for. Anyone can get it online at common sense. Or at nolabels.org, uh, but it's a common sense uh, uh, publication. It's about 40 pages long. Uh, it's issues that we need to deal with instead of uh, kicking the can down the road. It's immigration. It's not spending more money than we take in. It's a strong defense. It's no discrimination. I mean, it's a, it's a number of things. It's climate change. It's a number of things that I think you'll see a, a wide swath of the American public actually support and say, hey, you know, Social Security, you can't, you can't just not do anything. We know it's going to go belly up and people aren't going to get benefits in, in just a few short years. And on both sides, the partisans on both sides and the conventional political parties, nobody wants to talk about it. And they demonize anybody that tries to, Fred. It is so frustrating. And, you know, it is. In both the DNC, the Democrat National Committee, and the RNC, they're not going to like us. <laughs> they like the game the way that it is. They want one of their two people to be the winner, and we're saying, come on, if you can't come up with a stronger ticket, to some something that the American public can't gravitate to, towards a little bit more, we're going to provide a third choice, and guess what? It's going to be bipartisan, right. and in a divided government, that's how you get things done. I learned that when I was in the House for 36 years. So you, you've got your, your internal polling, and we certainly appreciate that. There's a new AP NORC Center for Public Affairs uh, poll out today that shows that actually within the Republican Party, Trump continues to grow in popularity, uh, that two-thirds of Republicans now, they, they say they want him to run again. Seven in ten have a favorable opinion of him. That's up from 60 percent two months ago, in spite of now four indictments against him. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, 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 and, 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 and at the same time, though, let me point out the other part of it, though, which is when you ask a full universe of voters, not just Republicans, 64% say definitely not or probably not. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, you look at these polls and, and you've got to be fair when you, when you ask the question. But, you know, it's Trump does, and I've said this for a long time, Trump does have a lock on our, on our party nomination. Uh, you know, he's just killing the opposition. And people thought, well, DeSantis will be a strong challenger, but they didn't figure that, you know, <laughs> kind of these Trump voters – they want the real thing. He's, you know, Trump, DeSantis, DeSantis is in New Hampshire. Uh, DeSantis now trails Chris Christie. That's right. He's, he's just dropped. He's dropping like a stone. And uh, the others aren't getting any traction. And Trump is getting all the oxygen in the tent. Uh, you see it. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm on his email list. I think I've gotten six emails already this morning how he's just swamping the opposition. I mean, the. And, and you look at the quotes from Republican leaders from you know left and right, whether it's Speaker McCarthy or uh, others in, in the House uh, leaders. I mean, look at our congressional delegation. Every one of our members of Congress on the Republican side has endorsed Trump. Uh, it's over. The, get the fork out. It's like the potato, right? Uh, he's got it, and, and he is uh, swamping the opposition. And the you know the Iowa caucuses are only a few months away, and Trump who didn't win Iowa in right. 2016 has identified a hundred thousand Trump supporters and guess who's going to the caucuses. Yeah. So it's, um, he's, he's raised the money and he's, 
you know, these indictments, he's portrayed himself as the victim, and you know, that's uh, attracting even more support. Well, and he apparently appeals to those that see themselves as victims and says, hey, if they're coming after me, they're coming after you. I've only got 60 seconds left, Fred, but uh, we, we do have the debate on Fox is is one week from today. Is this going to be an audition to be Trump's running mate, or do you expect to see some real debate about both his policies and his persona? Well, I think it'll be about Trump. I mean, and I don't think he's going to be there, but it's going to be all about Trump. It's going to be, if you're elected or you're the person, are you going to give him a pardon? I mean, it's going to be all about, it's going to be all about him. It'll be fun to watch. It will. Uh, but, of course, you know, the other interesting question, knowing that you're out of time, is, Who's going to sign the pledge? Trump has already said he's not going to sign the pledge to support someone if it's not him. Sort of uh, rhino, right? Republican in name only. <laughs> well, and Chris Christie says he will sign the pledge, but then he also says in another breath, under no circumstances will he vote for Trump. So there's also that. Fred, thank you so much, and uh, keep us updated, will you? It's going to be wild next Wednesday in Milwaukee during that uh, uh, debate. Heads up, the Macomb County Health Department is warning of rabbit skunks after two rabid positive skunks were discovered in Macomb Township within three miles from each other, with the third one uh, was found in Clinton Township back in June. All three have been euthanized after being in contact with domestic pets. The first thing is first thing with Mike Parsons on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. All right, be careful driving home this afternoon, everybody. Some bad weather is supposed to roll in just in time for the afternoon rush. It's not every day that a story that I hear during the bottom of the hour's Fox News update makes me feel like I've been punched in the stomach. But uh, if 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 you're just joining me, uh, I heard a little tidbit on our Fox News update that said that um, rescue workers that are looking to search and rescue, recover bodies out in Maui after the wildfire, um, are coming across remains of friends and loved ones. And this this story just gets more and more tragic the more you hear about it. Um, From what I've learned of Lahaina, uh, it was a very tight-knit community. It was a community with a capital C. And I, I think that sense of community is going to help them rebuild. But... That story about uh, rescue workers finding finding friends and loved ones. I mean, that was that 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 took the air out of me. The death toll out in Maui right now is at 111 people. The main road uh, back to Lahaina, that's been uh, reopened. So residents are slowly returning to survey the damage. Hawaiian Electric, they're being slept with three different lawsuits. They are being accused of. Um, not shutting off power when it could have saved lives. The electric company says that if they did that, it would put other customers who use electricity for life-saving devices um, at a hardship. It also said that uh, their water pumps and fire hydrants run on electricity, which uh, a lot of that stuff malfunctioned anyway. Governor Josh Green, he vows to go after opportunistic realtors who are trying to buy damaged property at a discount. So good for him. Overnight, we got word that U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a phone call to Paul Whelan, that Novi man who's been detained in Russia since 2018 on accusations of spying. Blinken told Whelan that the U.S. was doing everything that it could to bring him home as soon as possible. 
Paul Whalen's brother, David Whalen, who's been his biggest advocate this whole time. Uh, he's thankful, but uh, he's not getting his hopes up. Secretary Blinken has obviously sent a message, and uh, that message uh, is for Paul and for our family, that uh, the U.S. government is continuing to advocate for Paul and his release. It could be 2034 before Paul's home. I don't think that there's any reason to think that what the U.S. government is doing right now is going to lead to Paul's immediate release or even uh, release as soon as possible. Detroit police are asking for the public's help to find uh, suspects who shot a Detroit police officer in the leg in the early morning hours last Friday. If you remember, three police officers, they were responding to a shot spotter call at a grow operation at an abandoned apartment. Three suspects exited the apartment. They shot at the police officers, hit one in the calf. The other police officers returned fire. The suspects got away. Detroit police, they've released photo and video of the men. That's posted on our X or Twitter page, whatever you want to call it, at WJR Radio. Go take a look. If you recognize them, call 1-800-SPEAK-UP. And any information leading to a request, uh, there's a $1,000 reward in it for you. So, And the good news, the injured police officer is recovering. Prosecutors in Georgia are getting a bit ambitious. They want to set Trump's trial date for March 4th. That's the day before Super Tuesday. And it's the uh, same month as Trump's Stormy Daniels hush money trial in New York. So we'll see how that shakes out. All right. I didn't want to do this next story because this is a place that, that my wife and I love going to. However, the video was all over the place. The news story was all over the place. It's hard to ignore. The owner of Erie Orchards and Cider Mill, that's just north of Monroe, he's under fire for disparaging comments he made on video to a Muslim man that he accused of stealing peaches from his orchard. Every Muslim that comes in here steals from you. Every Muslim that comes in here steals from you. That's right. That is racist. You're racist. Oh, of course I am. If you couldn't hear, that was um, uh, a Palestinian immigrant named Joe Mahmoud arguing with the owner of Erie Orchards and Cider Mill, Steve Elzinga, Elzinga, uh, said, every Muslim that comes here steals from me. You heard Mahmoud push back, say you're racist, to which Elzinga said, of course I am. Uh, the story started, Palestinian immigrant Joe Mahmoud says he and his wife took the kids to the cider mill. Uh, they spent about $60 on, on goods and produce. They wanted to go pick some peaches when an employee told them that they can go ahead and try, but there's not, they're, they're not going to find much of anything. Slim pickings this late in the season. Mahmoud uh, says that he asked the employee if they do happen to find some good peaches, if they should put them in a bag and pay for them. The employee said, no, don't worry about it. Just take them if you find them. So as the family was trying to leave, they were stopped by cider mill owner, Steve Elzinga, who I just mentioned a second ago. And that's where the confrontation started. According to Mahmoud, Elzinga accused them of stealing the fruit. He opened the truck door and started going through their things next to Mahmoud's sleeping daughter. Then he took the bag of peaches inside and demanded $58 for him. As Mahmoud walked back to his truck without the peaches, the men had another exchange where Elzinga said, I hope these Muslims don't come back. Channel 4 reporter Faraz Javid, he went to the orchard and he spoke with Elzinga to get his side of the story. I, I've had several problems okay. with Muslims who have come in and picked and don't pay. Oh, they thought it was free. And he was the third one on Sunday that came 
at $57 worth of apples and said, no, I'm not paying. Steve told me his comments were driven out of frustration. In the video, you know, yeah. you, you claim. Yeah, I know the video is that I said that Muslims are all thieves and so on and so forth. Right. But are you of sort of ashamed about that or? No, you know what? Why is it that we have to put up with that on a, almost a daily and weekly basis? Because every time a Muslim would drive in, they, they, yeah. they would call me and say, we got Muslims out there. we got we, we got to be extremely careful. How do you know they're Muslims, though? Well, look, the women are all have them. But in the end, Steve says he's got no hate, and in the future, he won't generalize. Obviously, I don't feel this way about everybody, okay, um, about Muslims. We've had a lot of Muslims who've come here and are good people they pick they pay i mean i'm glad he clarified his statement but the the damage is done and, and this bums me out because like i said i'm a i'm a i'm a big cider head so to speak and i always considered this place a, a a hidden gem it's a little south of the metro detroit area so it's not as popular as as your more um well-known cider mills and when i go there's a very diverse clientele and as i i mentioned there are a ton of other options out there. And if you're a Muslim or if you're if if you're one of these groups that often gets accused of stealing, I don't know if you're going back to this place. I, I, I think you're going to get the Jason L. Dean try that in a small town streaming crowd going there to support. But look, you have the right if you think someone's stealing from you. To, to stop them and 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 try to rectify the situation, but to have a, a camera in your face and to say what you said about a whole group of people, you got to be a smarter businessman than that. Um, as you heard here first on WJR from Nick Roddy on JR Mornings, the Michigan State Board of Trustees unanimously voted to submit an application to the Michigan Liquor Control Commission to sell alcohol at four home games this football season. Back in July, Governor Whitmer, she signed legislation that would allow for the sale of alcohol in college stadiums and arena. Four home games will be uh, September 16th against Washington, then the next week against Maryland, October 21st against Michigan, uh, and then November 4th against Nebraska. University of Michigan is expected to follow suit um, at their next meeting in 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 September, but the season may, is already well underway by then. Nebraska remains the only Big Ten school banned from selling alcohol. Interim President Teresa Woodruff said that selling alcohol at games uh, has led to a 50% reduction of arrests in Iowa, 87 reduction in alcohol-related incidents at games at both Penn State, 71% uh, reduction at Maryland, and a significant decrease at Ohio State. It's first thing with Mike Parsons on WJR.